0: now here is the host of Absurd Psychology, Dr. Gary Bell.
1: Welcome, everybody. All right, today we're talking about hopelessness and joy. Yes, hopelessness and joy. We're headed into the holidays, so I've thought this would be a good a good one for us because we all have to uh, wrestle with these lovely feelings that we all have, especially this time of year. And if you live here in Seattle, This is when it's sad, S-A-D, it's just continuous depression for the next nine months because we have no light and all there is is rain. Uh, So what is hopelessness? Hopelessness and joy. Hopelessness is living without passion, positive expectations, enthusiasm becomes really hard to reach but uh, feeling hopeless doesn't have to be permanent. We all have our own definitions of hope and hopelessness, but the emotions we experience are real and valid. So feeling hopeless may be a natural, universal, simple human response to personal and world events that impact our lives. And it also could be a symptom of depression, uh, of adjustment disorders, and other mental health conditions. And there's a lot of people out there, experts, that propose there's more than one form of hopelessness. And learning which type you're living may fa- may help you face the challenge. And actually, if you have the reality of what your hopelessness is like, you may be able to change it. And, and so you know, psychologically, uh, there's a lot of self-help books about this. But the bottom line is there's common themes. So, you know, it is, uh, according to many people, attachment is a hope for physical proximity, intimacy, emotional bonding, spiritual unity, Uh A mastery of hope for productivity and accomplishments is another thing that people look for. Also, from a survival perspective, a hope for overcoming painful challenges, anxiety, loss, fear, building resiliency. You know, what is resiliency? It's a a response rather than a reaction. It means I'm going to be logical instead of making emotional decisions. I'm going to be resilient by choosing a response, which is very smart. You know, and, and and we tell ourselves everything's well in those areas, and we act from those assumptions. And many times, but uh, we have to also have a thematic attachment to the world, and the, and that is something like the universe is kind, universe is, is good, it's open, and I'm connected to it. Um, there's also the empowerment of understanding that help is available, and. I can rely on other people when I need to. Also, protection is attainable. I'm safe and I can rely on myself. These are themes that we have to have in our heads to get through hopelessness. When these needs are compromised during our development, though, we may start to have feeling hopeless. And that hopelessness can mean that we don't feel safe in the world. We don't feel safe with people. We may not feel safe with society or the universe in itself. So thematically, a lot of our philosophy of either feeling hopeless or joy is derived from our early childhood with our parents, and it has to do with our connection to the world, to the universe, and to our parents, to people, and everyone in our family and friends. You know, hopelessness needs to feel different for everyone. And there's nine types of hopelessness that can be grouped into three categories. One of them is alienation, uh, forsakenness, and a lack of inspiration. Another would rely on doom, helplessness, and captivity. And the other one relies on powerlessness, oppression, and limitlessness. And all of them have the common theme of catastrophization. That means that we view the world from fear. We don't view the world from faith. We view it from the fear that we have to prevent something horrible from happening at every given moment. And so we must get in our head and catastrophize all kinds of potential bad outcomes and then prepare for those bad outcomes to take place anyway. So the bottom line is people that think that way have what are called cognitive distortions. Then that drives them that each form of hopelessness, if you're going to feel powerless in your life, if you're going to feel oppressed and limited, that means your uh, limits mean that you are a child in the world, that you're not looked after as your wisdom and as your adult self. If you're feeling doomed and helpless and, and, and living in captivity, you're feeling trapped in your life. If you feel alienation and forsakenness and a lack of inspiration, that means you feel less than others. That means you are not motivated to live life. So, oftentimes, people that fall in these hopelessness categories are people who actually are deriving their own depression. They're decidedly depressed because their thought disorder is operating very succinctly with the idea that they don't belong in this world. And it's sad, but people will obsess on that kind of thing. And the key to overcoming these types of hopelessness is to reframe and reevaluate your distortions. That means to take a hold of your life and stop coping and start living, start enjoying the smells, the tastes, the flavors of the world, start enjoying relationships, start enjoying engaging with people, actually caring about others, not just yourself. You know, if we could do that, because when people live in fear, they're in a very selfish form of existence. But these hopelessness categories also are derived from childhood. Childhood, that's where they came from. If you're no longer a child... Why don't you decide to be an adult, grab a hold of your life, make some new choices, and form your character in a way that is adaptive and resilient with the world? You know, if we want to regain hope, we have to work on things like alienation. That's attachment hopes. This type of hopelessness comes from feeling that others have forgotten about you. They don't include you as a peer. You feel different in some way. And bonding with others is a challenge because of the differences. Because you feel hopeless about bonding with others, you may persistently reject and avoid them first or alienate yourself from the group because you're afraid that they're going to reject you. If you're going to get in your head like that, you're never going to make headway in life. We have to jump with faith into relationships and actually engage other people. Then there's this sense of alienation by forsakenness. And that's a, a, an attachment and survival hopes. Hopelessness in this case comes from feeling others have abandoned you when you needed them the most, and you may feel rejected or stigmatized as well. And this leads you to distrust others and your surroundings. That's the kid that's picked last on the team. That's the kid that is never ever looked after. That's the kid that kids people never show up. If you had parents that were flaky and didn't care about you and didn't show up for you, that could cause a lot of forsakenness. If you were abandoned by a group of people who you thought were your friends, that's where forsakenness comes from. But that doesn't mean it has to be the theme of your life. It can be a bad transaction, just a bad transaction. It doesn't have to be the theme of your life. We make it the theme of our life because we're hurt and we don't want to be hurt anymore and so we try to eliminate that pattern from our life and by doing that we actually manufacture more of it you know there's this also that lack of inspiration that means we don't have uh, we don't feel mentally stimulated or creative that mediocrity is the norm and we need we have to develop this type of hopelessness. And you may feel blocked or unable to be creative in some or all aspects of your life. That means apathy, which is the opposite of love, is setting in to your character. And sadly, a lot of people will operate with that kind of an operating system as the theme of their life. If you happen to have that kind of a theme, you need to understand that if you're gonna be motivated, you have to get back in touch with your emotions Find an emotion that will help you fuel something good for you and get it done. Do it and then evaluate. Then evaluate your emotions. Then evaluate your feelings after you get it done. Not before. You know, there's also this sense of powerlessness. All kids have a sense of powerlessness and that is the state of a child. Feeling you and your actions have no influence or impact on other people or the world may lead you to feel hopeless. And you may feel you're devoid of strength or authority to make decisions to affect change and depend on what others decide to do. Your job on this earth is not to control. Your job on this earth is to influence Influence, influence. And if you put your power into being a good influential person, then what's going to happen is your life will have great influence on other people. But if you're going to try to control people and seek power for yourself, and sadly, there's a lot of people that get into management that seek power and then abuse their poor employees. But you know, the bottom line is power is meant to be used to influence, not to control. Then also, there's this thing called oppression, and that's an attachment uh, that that is beyond hopelessness and, and it is associated with feeling not being treated fairly or equally, uh, particularly at a great high level, a macro level, and, and it's systemic and it's persistent racism or sexism. It can lead to oppression and hopelessness, and that is sad because if we're all looking for how people take our power away, how people judge us— Uh, We are – and how people don't treat us fairly or how people don't treat us equally, that's just stupid. Fair is a place where they judge pigs. There is no such thing as fair. And if you equate your life to fairness, you're not going to get it because we're human and we're stupid and we're emotional. We do dumb things and we hurt each other. That's part of life, but that doesn't mean we intend to do that. It's just how it happens sometimes. And so life in itself is one experiential lesson after another. And if you have expectations that are unrealistic, you're going to walk around this planet feeling like a failure and feeling like everyone else is a failure and feeling depressed. Move your expectations away. Move them away and turn them in for I prefer. That means I make peace with what I have. I'm, I prefer that, that this would have happened today, I prefer that I would have made it on time to this, I prefer that this is what I said to this person. But if you're going around expecting, you have an emotional attachment to outcomes, and that in itself is horrible, and people that have this feeling of fairness or equality as an operating system in their life are depressed because they quickly realize the life is not fair. Very important to understand, it's true, it's not fair, and don't expect it to be. When other people are involved, there's influence from others, and that means things aren't going to look exactly like you thought they were going to look. Also there's this limitedness. You know, you may feel like you don't have enough resources or skills to achieve your goals, so you're facing physical or financial restraints to do so. Well if you're going to live in a box, you probably are going to feel limited. If you're going to make $30,000 at a certain job and say you can't work or do anything else, that's kind of stupid. If your resources are not good enough, then go get more. Create passive income. Get, get, Get some motivation in your life. Get out there and actually do something for yourself and your family. Create streams of income that actually augment the stream of income that may be the job that you love. You know, if it's not enough, don't be frustrated with that. The fact is that may be the sign of the times. That may be a skill set that has waned. You know, the bottom line is we have to keep putting other streams in in the water if we are or other other boats in the water if we are going to get to where we need to go. The other people feel this sense of doom, and this form of hopelessness has to do with feeling condemned to certain negative outcomes in life. This despair may come from early events in your life or from facing chronic or terminal illness. Some kids that are in foster care, group homes, they often feel extremely hopeless, uh, feeling you know, chronic or terminal illnesses, people that feel that their body is not going to carry them through this life and their poor spirit is going to have to withdraw from this body, that is a very sad thing for people. But if you're going to live in that doom, you will never live. Your attitude is half of the problem. If you have a better attitude, you have a better shot at living. You know, you may feel, uh, you may face uh, captivity where you've been in physical prisoner at some point in your life, and if you've been in an abusive relationship that made you feel you weren't free to act or do as you wish – it's also possible to develop this emotion if you feel stay in harm's way or allow others to mistreat you because you felt you, you deserved it. Well, you know, sadly, we have codependence and then we have narcissists. We have borderline personalities who need codependence. And they look for people like that that will accept being abused, accept being trapped, accept being told what to do. If you're a prisoner in your life, you're a prisoner because of your own choices. Read a book called Stop Walking on Eggshells. Or I hate you, don't leave me. Those are the kind of resources that will help you get out of captivity. You need to grab your life, make new choices, stop worrying about being judged, and do the right thing as much as you can. And when it doesn't look good, don't worry. Do the right thing anyway. You know, helplessness is another feeling. You're unable to stand up for yourself and act without someone's help and may result in the form of helplessness. But helplessness is never going to inspire you. If you're going to feel helpless, you are withdrawing from life. You are abstaining from moving into your own life. If you want to have character and confidence, you have to make choices and stand behind them. If you want to be a person of value, then what you have to understand is you have to value integrity, which is what you do when nobody else is looking. And why do we have integrity? Well, because we also have accountability, accountability to ourselves, accountability to God, accountability to our partner, accountability to our children, accountability to our job. And the more accountable we are as human beings and the more responsible we are, the more integrity we have. And unfortunately, we're living in a generation of liars, cheaters, and people of low moral conduct. And sadly, that's what's leading our country. That's what's leading the world is people with no integrity. Sadly enough, we all follow like little cattle and you know the bottom line is we need to take a hold of our life and define our character and if we do that we will life will make a place for us people will step aside and people will understand how to love you when you build your character make choices you can always change your mind and don't be embarrassed and don't live apologetically you don't have to apologize for living in this life you live and make your place here That's what we do, and hopefully, we try to help each other. You know, perhaps you recognize yourself as one or more form of hopelessness. You know, uh, overcoming the emotion is really possible. And and if you're living with a mental condition such as bipolar, or depression, anxiety, post-traumatic stress disorder, you may experience hopelessness as a part of the symptoms, and and uh, it's still possible to manage it. But it's highly advisable that you seek support of mental health professionals to address your symptoms, particularly unresolved trauma. Unresolved trauma leaves little roots that actually are reminders of the trauma. So if something happened to us in a crowd, we may be afraid to go to Walmart. If, if something happens to us in a stadium, we may be afraid to go to a stadium. You know, if, if some loud noise happened and we got shot or something, then that may, loud shots may cause PTSD for us. So PTSD grows roots, and that's the problem, that triggers happen throughout our life that remind us of being traumatized, and then we suddenly feel panicky and vulnerable and scared, and that's PTSD. You know, it is very, very much part of the brainstem fight or flight uh, form, and it's there to remind us of what has happened before so that we can prevent it from happening again. Our brain prepares us for that. You know, there there's false assumptions that you operate on that can lead you to feel hopelessness about different circumstances in, in your life, and, and you work on reframing them in your mind by evaluating what other possibilities could happen. For instance, if I'm going to take a stab at fear, you know, I'm afraid— Of being bit by the dog. I have faith the dog's not going to bite me. Okay, which one are you going to go with? Because when fear enters, faith leaves. When faith enters, fear leaves. Life's meant to be lived on the faith side. So if you're going to take a stab at fear, take a stab at faith. Very important to understand that. You know, there's some things you could do to help yourself. You know, uh uh being convinced you know what others are thinking without much evidence of it is never a good idea. That means that you're God and they're not. And and, and then you project that outcome on those people. That's never a good thing because that's called projecting. And that means that other person has to own your crap rather than their own. Then there's other people that think in this black and white. They want to simplify everything in life. As everything is black and white. You're this or that. They live by labels. That's another problem that leads us down the hopelessness path. If you're going to make everything black and white, that's either everybody's either on my side or not on my side. Those that aren't on my side, I'm going to treat them like crap or not treat them like anything. And people that are on my side while they're on my side, I'm going to treat them well. When they're not on my side, I'm going to treat them like crap. You know, that's stupid. Life is gray. It's all kinds of gray. And you have to understand that people are more good than they are bad. People are more smart than they are stupid. You know, people have good ideas. That doesn't – they may have places where they stand that you don't like. Here we are on election day. Everybody's going to vote. Everybody's going to have their own opinion. Who cares? Get it over with and then let's move on back to connecting in life. That's what our job is in life. It's not politics. It's people. And we have to love people. We have to look for the good in people. We need to be grateful. The more you're that way, the more you're going to draw people into your life. People hear so little good. And if you're a deliverer of good to people, people will seek you. They will seek you because You look at them as a nice person. You look at them as a good person. You look at them with respect. You hear what they have to say, and you validate it, but you don't have to agree with it. You know, if you're a good listener, you're in charge of the conversation. If you're a good listener, you're the most powerful person in the room. Then there's these people that overgeneralize. They take one stupid event, and they turn it into a general rule that applies to everything. You may constantly believe that that absolutely no one loves you. Everyone regrets you, uh, rejects you, and you always deliver subpar academic work. Well, these are narratives. So you feed a narrative. You go get the bias research. You load up the narrative with the bias research, and then you act on it. All right, we're gonna take a quick break, and we're gonna come back. <laughs>
0: Friend us on Facebook to keep up with what's empowering the world. Voice America Empowerment. Dr. Gary Bell is available for speaking engagements as well as teaching at your seminar or workshop and life coaching via telephone Skype or in person in the Seattle area. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. The White House doctor makes house calls.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right. We're talking about hopelessness and joy. Yes, hopelessness and joy. It sounds like a song. All right. So the bottom line is we're going to talk about hopelessness just a little bit more. But we're going to go to this other thing called joy. And how in the world do you have joy? God forbid. All right. So. You know, some of these distortions, these cognitive distortions people go through is stuff like jumping to conclusions. We're talking about we were talking earlier about the black and white thinkers, but then there's people that are always judging. You know, with no limit, no evidence based on very limited information, they arrive at a conclusion. Period. Always the negative. The negative, negative, negative. Yes, you're this bad person. You're going to do this to me. You did this because you wanted this. You, everybody's guessing your motives and then they land on it and then they believe their own crap. Sadly, there are people that are so egotistical that that's how they protect themselves. Also, these people that catastrophize, you know, magnifying the relevance of an event, believing the. Worst possible outcome given a situation. Okay, I believe it, in, in first inning that we're going to lose the baseball game. How fun is that? Oh, You know, this is the quarterback today. I hate that quarterback. Okay, this is going to be the outcome. So we predict the negative outcome, and as soon as we get a sign that says that's what's going to happen, we walk out of the stadium after we've drank our first beer or whatever. You know, it's pretty stupid, but when people live in these worlds of catastrophization, jumping to conclusions, black and white thinking, they limit and funnel their life down to very, 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 very limited uh, scenarios. Sadly, they live in their own crap And sadly, they live with depression and anxiety because they're always vulnerable, always subject to negative outcomes happening in the world. And then we get what's called the Eeyore effect, where they walk around with the donkey pin on their tail. You know, also, the the people go in believing either they have no control or all the control over what happens to anybody. And if they have a control issue, boy, does that bring out the psychotic person. Anybody that has controlling and perfectionism has a form of psychosis in their brain. You narrow your river down to a creek and you try to ride the boat on the creek, guess what? It's not gonna happen. You know, it's honorable to do hard things. Hard things make your life easier, but why don't you be smart about it? You know, why don't you get it within the, the ballpark? Why don't you get it within the range of what's expected or what is needed rather than what you feel like you have to do because when you have these perfectionistic strategies you take all the joy out of life. I can't tell you how many kids feel like they let their parents down and disconnect from their loving relationship with their parents because their parents are never happy with progress, never happy with grades, never happy with chores. Everything has to be their way. It's stupid, but people will breed like breeding stock. And create scenarios like that for their children. You know, 50% of the people out there that, that screw around and breed are breeding stock. Other 50% are real parents. If you're going to be a real parent, be compassionate, have empathy. Don't treat your kids like crap and then we don't have a negative world to live in. But if you're going to rub your negativity down the throat of your children, don't expect them to want to be around you. Don't expect them to want to be there when you're b- buried because you have condemned them li- their, their life to live like you are. And so if you're going to create that kind of a mindset in your child, that's the worst thing you could possibly do. If you want to get out of this negative thinking, focus on the present instead of the future outcomes. Stop looking at the past. Stop looking at the future. Look right now. Look a person in the eye and actually be fully present with that person. If you want to know what the meaning of life is, is you creating meaning with another person, with another moment, with an animal, with someone, and being present with them. That is the meaning of life That's where legacies are made. That's where people's uh, lives have meaning. And once they do that, they have created a memory that will last the rest of their life. And you can't put money on that. Unfortunately, most people are not fully present. They're like a bunch of zombies walking around in their head. And they don't fully communicate and they don't fully listen. And sadly, if you're going to live that way, it's going to be really hard to find joy in this world. So join Groups of people where other people make you go to to a better place. If you're the smartest person in the room, go to a room where people are smarter than you. If you're the most stable person in the room, go to a room where people are more stable than you. Always want to learn. That's what you want. You want to draw people in your life that inspire you and motivate you and give you something different than what you actually have. Very good thing to do. If you have a depleted quality, go to a place where people have that quality. Don't go and avoid it because you're too embarrassed. No, go and learn it. You know, defining the positive—that is important. Positives in any situation, any dwelling uh, have perceived negatives, but there are also positives to it. You know, look on the good side, look on what it may bring, look on what something bad may happen and the way you respond to it becomes your testimony. That is where life is best lived. Also, assigning labels to yourself and others is not good, never a good thing. It's very important for us to stay away from labels of human beings and anything that is alive. They all have personalities. They all have a soul in this life. They all operate in this life, and we need to join them instead of label them out of our own personal fears and our own personal traumas. Also, taking everything personally, getting defensive, dumbest thing to do. If you're going to get married, why be defensive when you're just trying to solve problems that make your marriage better? What is the point of being defensive? It means you're a terrible learner, that means you're not listening, and that means you're disrespecting everybody in the room. People that personalize everything have no other idea of anything in this world but their own personal philosophy. They walk around in a bubble thinking and labeling and making life very fearful, and it's sad and stupid, but that's what people will do because they get hurt or because they had terrible parents, unfortunately. And they grow up in an environment where they don't feel safe, don't feel protected, don't feel cared for. And when they walk into the world, that's the concept of themselves that they have. So you get to see that as a parent. Lovely. You could have fixed it. Why didn't you? Why didn't you surround your kid with great people? Why didn't you surround your kid with great influence? Why didn't you give them love and compassion? That will come back on you the rest of your life. All right, joy. Joy is a natural part of us and we're wired to feel it. And what is joy? Joy is the opportunity to find happiness. That means that everywhere we are, we can look for some form of joy. Instead of looking for happiness, we look for things that can bring us happiness. And that is, you know, staring at a something a, a picture from the past, staring at a funny quote, you know, staring at, at your clothing going, yeah, I got some good clothing. You know, look around you for what is fun. You know, if, if you watch a child get excited when, it, when a, uh, let's say, a, a garbage truck drives by, how many of you can we say we've experienced that kind of delight? I know I have. It brings them great joy to see something like that. Why can't we have that? Why can't we go, yeah, I live in a life where I can see stuff like that? You know, we can actually experience joy through our own children at any age. You just have to know how to perceive things in a joyful way. You know, the first step to finding and, and, and living your joy is knowing what joy means. It is an emotion evoked by well-being, by success or perceived success and good fortune. It's a feeling of great delight or happiness Caused by something exceptionally good or satisfying. Uh, Other words for joy include bliss, jubilance, exaltation, glee, appreciation. Appreciation, by the way, is really powerful. And you can, you can recognize joy by the physical sensations it triggers, like buoyancy in your whole body, tingling in your chest, an irresistible smile on your face. It creates a positive excitement that uplifts and expands you. And emotions are energy, and their job is to attract your attention to what is going on inside yourself in the present moment prompt you to make decisions, give you fuel to act. You know, feeling a tingle of joy is an indication that you're in touch with your true self. And that's why joy is an excellent barometer for making decisions and setting goals. It's a very important component of our entire life. You know, you have to forget the beliefs about yourself that limit yourself. What you believe you can do is a massive impact on the goals you set. If you want joy in your life, look for possibilities rather than probabilities. Possibilities rather than probabilities. If you want to find your joy, the inspirations for joy are remarkably consistent. Discover what will bring you joy as an adult, consider where you found joy in your childhood and your youth, and try the timeline to review it to get it started. You know, take a clean piece of paper and lay the page horizontally. Divide your ages. For example, a person is 55 would divide their page into 0 to 9, 10 to 19, 20 to 29, age 30 to 39, 40 to 49, 50 to 55, 50 to 59, like me. You know, the goal is to recall and decide what your life has evoked the most joy and, and look at those pockets of time and put the joy down in there. In each column, write about what brought you joy during that decade of your life, the activities, the, the the people, the travels, the experiences, so on. Take your time and list as many as you can and be specific about the source of the joy. For example, if you put college as an experience that brought you joy, think back on what in particular, what did college mean to you? You know, what did these things mean to you? That's what you really are going to find the essence of joy in, you know, you know, is. Was it seeing your friends or finishing a paper or feeling accomplished, getting your degree, feeling the excitement of your first romance? Whatever those time pockets are, that's the meaning of these things to you, and the meaning is so much more important than the label. Look over your list. How do you feel? Do any items in the list evoke more feelings than the rest? Consider whether there are any items in the list that might be things you'd like to pick back up. Because you may be missing out later in life on something that brought you joy earlier in life. You know, you, to discover what brings you joy, you have to experience it from your heart. And you have to get beyond the barrier of your rational mind. Meaning is not rational. And that is what drives us. It is not the things we do that's important. It's the, the, what they mean to us that's important. You know, it's what they mean. And that is where we have to navigate. If you're going to go on vacation with your family, what does it mean to go to this certain place for one person? What does it mean for another? What does it mean for another? And then you get all the needs met. That's important. Also, despair is a long way from happiness. You know, if you get from a, a for mere happiness seeking to totally depressing life, How can you embrace happiness that you're set out to find? You might not even be happiness, per se, that you're initially seeking. Well, happy is just one emotion, but joy is a feeling from your soul that attracts happiness. And so it's external, it's based on situations, events, places, people, thoughts. Things. Happiness is connected to your hope for a relationship or a hope for a future. You know, it, it's linked to that someday I may meet the right person when they start changing it and acting right. That's stupid. How about you changing, you creating joy and letting them respond to you rather than you responding to them? You know, happiness is future oriented and it puts all its eggs in someone else's basket. It's dependent on outside situations, people, events to align with your expectations so that they end the result is your happiness. Well, expectations, once again, can be very depressing, but preferences can be very funny. You know, whether or not you have a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday depends on whether or not you want to have one. Show up, be there, be present, enjoy yourself. That's all you have to do. Stop catastrophizing. Stop getting in your head. You know, unhappy is a result when we have expectations. And if we're going to sit around with that kind of crap, I expect this to happen. I expect that to happen. I expect this. You know, I expect my mom to say something stupid. I expect my dad to say something stupid. I expect everybody to do something negative to me, blah, blah, blah. And every time those expectations are met, you've reinforced your own perspective, you know. It's it, happiness is what you feel when the right romantic stuff happens, when the right things in life happens, when somebody commits to you. That is important, a commitment. Your commitments also are a very strong form of happiness. If you're going to look at yourself as trapped in your job, you're going to have trouble wanting to go to work. If you want to have a good life, then what you do is you find joy in the situation. You know, if you hate your job, what is your job buying you? Look at the things in life that it's giving you, and that may enhance your joy with a job that you feel trapped in. All right. We're going to talk more about hopelessness and joy after we take a quick break. So come back. (laughs)
0: a two day workshop in Seattle and more. Visit Dr. GBMFT.com today or call Dr. Gary Bell at 951 818 7856. That's drgbmft.com or 951 818 7856. Follow the Voice America Empowerment Channel on Twitter. You already know we're full of great ideas, and our hosts have plenty to say. We want to hear from you, too. Be sure to follow us at VA Empowerment and come back every day to see what's next. Unravel the mysteries of metaphysics every week on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Join host Barb Crowley Or you can just click on Email Host on the Voice America page. Now, back to Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology.
1: Welcome back, everybody. All right, we're talking about hopelessness and joy. You know, the bottom line is we're going to focus a little more on happiness and joy on this part. Many people don't realize that joy and happiness are two different feelings. And you may ask, what's the difference? And and the answer is very simple. It's slightly complex. You know, some people say joy is the innermost peace that no good or bad situation in life can dictate, while happiness is primarily based on life events. However, some may think exactly the opposite. So, from a psychological perspective, whatever your perspective is, the idea is is that the consensus of the majority is that your happiness depends on various external factors. It's an emotion that you experience as it happens to you. And even though you may desire it, seek it, or pursue it, to feel happiness is not a choice that you can make consciously. Joy, in contrast, comes from your soul. It's a choice you purposely make. Joy is unexploited reservoir of potential. It's living in your faith that always presents inside you, that you, uh, despite the circumstances you may be in, you have faith that good things will continue to happen. You will make it through. You will do the right thing. Basically, it is the attitude of your spirit and your heart so that you can feel joy in tough times. And joy does not need you to smile to exist, although it would be nice if you did. It's easier to smile than to frown. But joy loves sharing space and coexists with other emotions, such as shame and anger and sadness, and, and happiness can't happiness will be absent if you're going through dark and difficult circumstances where joy whereas joy never leaves joy is deeply rooted in your spirit and brings you peace and contentment to being and life as a whole and you can replace joy with faith yes that is the way we live life life is a faith-based venture That means we take leaps of faith, we get married, we have children, we get a job, we move to a new city, buy a home, do whatever we do, whatever we start taking responsibility for, that is based on faith. Character is based on leaps of faith. If you're going to live in fear, you're not going to live. And so, unfortunately, some people waste their life in fear, and they spend their life watching television in the last years because that's all they have to do because that's the safest thing they can do is witness life rather than actually live their life. Joy needs you to connect. This connection is often with other people, with things in your life, pets, hobbies, creations. Joy is always there within you, while happiness is just a momentary emotion that passes through you. And happiness is the external layer of emotion, and it's based on people and events and places and situations, thoughts and things. Happiness needs a cause to happen, such as your hopes for a new relationship, a new job, a future goal. It's usually linked to the idea that someday, when a certain thing will happen, you will feel happiness. For instance, when I meet the right person or when I get the job or when I buy that car, okay, but that's living hypothetically if this, then this, if this, then this. No, take away the hypotheticals and just say, I'm going to do this and see what happens. I'm going to do this and see what happens. I'm going to do this and see what happens. That's planting seeds. And that's what we need to do more of in life rather than live in hypotheticals where we're trying to control outcomes. In short, Happiness is future-oriented. You put all your hopes in a person, a situation, an event. You hope that everything will align accordingly. And hope, once again, is faith. You have faith. I don't trust you, but I'll have faith in you. I'll have faith that this situation is going to work out. I'll have faith that we'll have the money at the end of the month to pay our rent. Yeah, That's the way we live. And you can observe one of the most common examples to these expectations during the holiday season. Whether you have a happy holiday will depend on your partner, for example, shows up drunk or acts inappropriately. So basically, your expectation for happiness, if you have a happy holiday, totally depends on someone else's actions and their behavior and how they try to handle the situation. But if you can hang your hat on the idea that they're responsible for themselves and you're going to be responsible for yourself and what they do is not reflective of who you are, that means that you can untether yourself from things that will make you unhappy. You know, it's important to know where true joy lies and what brings us happiness. And that's like our attitude versus our destination. If we're always going for the destination, we don't enjoy the process of life. Our attitude of being able to enjoy the process of getting to our vacation, the process of getting to the end of the day, enjoying the process of living. It it means that we are relaxing in the moment and envisioning a life that we've always desired. And this moment is contributing to that. That vision is your destination, your freedom to do what you want, travel wherever you want. Maybe it's the comfort and stability of a family life that you long for. Whatever your vision is, don't ignore it. The vision is in your head and it's in your destination. It's the key to recognizing your happy place and so one way to look at joy versus happiness is visualizing your happiness as you achieve your end goal the vision in your head whereas joy is every milestone leading to the end goal joy is simple it's lighthearted. you can experience it passing through you with the feeling of heaviness of your goals or the long row ahead because joy is the attitude you have towards life you know you will get there and that through though alone It brings you inner peace and contentment that is joy. That's where we find it. And so, you know, it it goes hand in hand with happiness. Think of your body as a world where happiness is like breezes and delightful and inevitably pleasing, but joy is ever-present oxygen. Most people overemphasize the idea that happiness is... And expect it to happen in the most grandeur way with fireworks and fairy tales. And the truth is, you are never going to experience true happiness unless you practice joy. You need to learn the art of gratification. And gratitude is a way forward. Being thankful when people give you something good. Your children will do so much better if you are grateful than if you are punishment. If you're going to focus on punishment, also focus on grateful. Goodness and gratefulness brings out the best in people. People that are grateful are magnetic and powerful people in this life. You know, the bigger picture can overwhelm you if you look at life. And humans have vulnerability of focusing too much on the negatives in their lives and can then catastrophize. So we all know we can't control everything and life will become happy unexpectedly where you face challenges. Think of your home, your money, your possessions as your goals and we acquire them to feel happiness, we do not have control over them. Your happiness is not weighed, your joy is not weighed on your income. Your joy is weighed on, on the possibilities of your life and the strength of your life connections with others in others' lives and the productivity that you offer to make other people's lives better as you make your own better events like death or breakups are profound and deep moments that we have no control over at all but we can find ways to spark joy during the dark times find the motivation to live on go to the go start taking care of your body and maybe you'll start to find other people that do the same thing and now you've added a whole degree of wonderful people in your life that actually support a healthy you You know, maybe that relationship was not healthy. Maybe somebody died and we leave that to God and we allow ourselves to celebrate what their life was about and what they brought to our life. Celebrate their life. You don't sit back and go, oh, they died of this. They died of that and focus on that and make that their whole legacy. Do we live for that? No, we don't live for how we die. We live for how we live and we create memories and that's what we want to be remembered for. That's what we want to be celebrated for. We also have to let joy and happiness coexist. If you want to live a fulfilling life, then you have to allow joy and happiness to coexist with you. While your happiness is accountable for your wishes, your desires, your goals, joy is an emotion and an instinct that's always lived with you. And whether it is to feel joy or happiness, either way, you really, truly can't go wrong in this life. You know, if you're going to look down and look at the people that have great minds in this life, you know the weak have remedies the the wise have joys superior wisdom is our superior bliss and and that that uh, that comes from edward young in virtue's apology some people pass from birth and death with both feet firmly planted in the sunny side of life such are the healthy minded among us and these fortunate people are innately predisposed to joy and optimism and experience life as long as a celebration and, and, and that is an important thing for us to understand, you know, that, that, that for other people, goodness of life does not flow so naturally. And this comes from William James, at, and it's, it's from a book called uh, The Varieties of Religious Experience. And, and um, instead of instinctively bathing in optimism's joy, some people are of a more morbid, mind bent, thus predispositioned to viewing life through a darker lens. Sadly, a lot of people live this way, you know, but if, if, if uh, you look at Robert Louis Stevenson, you know, when dark thoughts fog the mind, it's easy to believe we are trapped in a labyrinth. of a Herculean effort w- of will is the only means of escape. But this belief neglects the fact that emotions follow actions, that moods reflect surroundings, and that a shift from the gloom to joy can be a e- effectuated by engaging in an activity so un- undemanding that many downplay the, the the therapeutic value. So the activity is simply to set aside consistent time to immerse ourselves in the regenerative realms of nature, free from the influence of technology. I know that all sounds like gobbledygook and craziness, but the bottom line is we all need to find joy in our life. You know, uh, there's a whole lot of things that we can do to make our life better. And great minds lead us. You know, uh, Ralph Waldo Emerson in Nature. Along with drinking abundantly from the springs of joy that flow forth from nature, another strategy to promote joy is to instigate a subtle change in the way we see the world. Specifically, we can take a page out of the Mystics playbook and learn to extract joy from our experiences of so-called ordinary and mundane. Yes, we can pull from life, simple things, pulling from life and make them fun. You know, you have to live in the present. You have to launch yourself. You know, you have to find eternity in each moment. You know, fools stand on their island of opportunities and look forward to another land. You know, there is no other land. There is no other not life but this. People that live fully committed, I will live. I will be married. I will work this job. I will be a father. I will be a mother. I will own this pet. I will take care of this pet. I will take care of my grandparent. I will enjoy this event. I will enjoy this vacation. I will, I will, I will. Committing yourself is the first part of joy. That means you're not trying, which has a back door. No trying. We don't do trying in this life. You can't do trying. If you try, that's fine. It's great to try to understand that you're not an expert at something, but step into it and commit. And that's where you're going to get the most out of life, especially in relationships. If you're going to be married, be married. If you're going to be a father, be a father. Stop being this try to be. I will. I'll try. That's nothing. It's nothing. There's no commitment there. You're just meandering through life if you're going to live in a try. If you're going to live in a will, at least you're going to experience and you're going to learn. It may not be what you thought it would be, but it could be a great thing. You know, we just have to grab it. You know, uh, uh, if, if we're going to go uh, into the snow, if we're going to go into a rainy night and drive, we take that chance and we turn to ourselves and trust ourselves. And most of all, if you believe in God, you trust in God. You know, the, the very mystery of life that it offers us when we take leaps of faith offers us a chance to be courageous and courageous people have lots of joy in their life. You know, William James uh, uh, also wrote, to decide whether life is worth living is to answer the fundamental question of philosophy. Everything else is child's play. We must first of all answer the question, you know, is life worth living? Yes. And that's where we find joy. Is, am I going to be resilient? Yes. Am I going to have a will? Am I going to turn my will on and even in a bad situation, find good in it? and find a way to be resilient. That is how we seek life. That is how we find joy in life, is through our will. That is our essence, that is our soul, and that is what makes us up in life. Sometimes those are the memories that are left behind, how we took a crappy thing and turned it into something great. That's our show. Thanks for listening, I love hearing from you. And you can do that at voiceamerica.com, the Empowerment Channel, Dr. Gary Bell's Absurd Psychology. We have a new Facebook page if you'd like to reach out there. Also, you can contribute to our show via our Voice America webpage in the links section. Now, remember, if you're happy and you know it, it's your meds. Also, whenever you get mad, just picture a T-Rex trying to pick up a basketball. Also, if you're totally useless, at least you can be a bad example. And a mind is like a parachute. It doesn't work if it isn't open. Thanks for listening, everybody.